for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, thank the Lord it is finally Friday because I'll tell you what, man, I didn't think this week was going to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that one. It seems like this cold blast has made everybody feel like, you know, time has kind of stopped. But it's Friday. Things are looking up. Temperatures are looking up. So That is the truth. And that the, the cold, I mean, it, it is far from being just cold. It, it is frigid. It, it's a polar vortex out there. Like this morning in my truck, it was negative 18 when I got in it to go to work. Jeez. And I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm done with this, man. I'm done with it. And, you know, a lot of people are out there with jobs that they have outside. And they're like, oh, the, all these office job people are bitching and complaining. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That sucks that you have to work outside, but it is cold out. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. One thing that puts it in perspective for me is like, I usually keep my heat in the house, like 68 or 70 degrees. And, you know, just, just, I always think about the temperature negative 30, because when you're going from 70 Fahrenheit to minus 30, as soon as you open the door, that's an instant hundred degree difference. I mean, that's just like a slap in yep. the face. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, with these colder temps, you know, it does have an effect on whitetails and, you know, a lot of people, they don't know that a whitetail can, can be out in this cold actually and survive. And it's because of their, their hair and their fur, you know, how it's hollow and everything. And, and a lot more things go into it with their, with their body mass and how much they store away every season for the cold, you know, yep. um, and that, that'll be something else we get into. But today, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. We are coming up fastly approaching on shed season. And, you know, we had kind of uh, hinted to it, you know, earlier this week in the podcast about doing shed hunting. I think it'd be cool to dive into, you know, just shed hunting. And, you know, a lot of people don't even realize that deer and elk and mule deer, stuff like that, they shed their antlers every year. You know, for the people that do know that, a lot of them don't know how they shed their antlers. So I thought it'd be cool to, to go through this and go through the process and then maybe we'll round it out with, uh, you know, some shed hunting practices, what you can do, where to look and, yep. and all sorts of stuff like that. I thought that'd be cool conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's just, like you said, people that don't know, you know, you see these pictures, these, you know, video clips of bucks that are just, you know, locked up or elk or 
even moose, you know, they, they're, they're fighting to the death and they can take such a beating and they don't fall off then, you know, and then two months later, you know, the, the storm kind of passes and all of a sudden they're, they're dropping off just, you know, from the impact of jumping a fence or, you know, got their head down and, you know, their antler might be touching the ground or hitting a corn stalk or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to knock them off once the time has come to actually cast the antler. You know, I think one important thing to state, you know, in the beginning of all this is, you know, there's a difference between antler and horn. Yes. And we're talking about animals that grow antler, not horn here. Because horns grow for life, you know, from, from birth that animals' horn is growing nonstop. And it does shed, but it sheds the casing, like the outside. It grows from the inside out and pushes kind of that shell off. Um, you know, animals with your horns are going to be uh, sheep and goat species. You know, antelope, bighorn sheep, mountain goats. All those animals have true horns where uh, whitetails have antlers. And uh, the largest mammal that grows and casts an antler is a moose. So from deer, white-tailed deer to mule deer... All the whitetail subspecies, coos deer, like I said, mule deer, elk, man, what else? I, I just can't rattle them off quick enough. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. mule deer, elk, blacktails, coos deer, yep. you know, all sorts like that. The, the What they call a um, ungulate. Ungulate. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah. Ungulate. ungulate. There you go. Yep. Uh, all those animals are the same. Yep, and that's that's any animal with a split hoof is how an ungulate is classified. Even a horse, I think, is, like you said earlier, I think it's classified as an ungulate correct uh but obviously they don't have horns right yeah but or antlers i i wouldn't i'm with you on that one i believe a horse is classified as an ungulate but then i think about a caribou where you know even the even the cows sometimes you see grow antlers i mean more often than like an antler white-tailed doe but so yeah that's 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 one thing i'm i don't want to speak too much on because i'm not 100 percent on on where a caribou is going to fall I'm pretty sure their hoof is split, yep. but you know, I like I said, some of the females do grow an antler. But if you look at sheep and goats, all those females in those species grow a horn. So I don't want to cloud the water too much. So yeah, let's let's just hone in on whitetails here. So you know, whitetails grow their antlers every year to, you know, they are showing their dominance and they're and they're doing it to fight. You know what I mean? To to show that superiorness or that the packing order basically and you know that's when the rut comes and you know all these deer fighting and they're in their in their you know staking claim to to different areas and everything and you know that causes a high testosterone level you know i mean rut crazed bucks and their testosterone is as high as it can be you know and they're out and that's when you see the knockdown drag out fights yeah now now once the rut is over the testosterone levels they fall and that causes, you know, weakness of the pedicle, which the pedicle is where, you know, the antler connects to the head or the skull plate. The, the pedicle becomes so weak that the antler growth stops. And after that, antlers just simply just fall off, you know, around this time because their stress levels, you know, some deer are more stressed than others. And, you know, they could be wounded, you know, and that would cause deer to shed a little earlier than normal that testosterone level when it falls and weakens that pedicle they just know that they're you know they're not getting any more blood flow they're not growing anymore so that's when it causes them to fall off i mean do you have anything else to add on that yeah you're 100 percent right um you know those antlers are their weapons you know their their only purpose in growing those is to get ready to 
to fight it out with other with other males for breeding rights of the females you know and that's just that's as hunters you know what everyone is looking at as i don't want to say the word trophy but i mean if you're raising you know mature deer that's i mean honestly when it comes down to it that's part of the trophy that's that's what you're after but uh yep. you know outside of the hunt aspect of it the rise in testosterone is triggered by the photo period or the length of the day and that's all timed with you know moon phase and how far away the earth is from the sun as we as we all know but you know with that once the rut is over and the breeding and the fighting is done that daylight gets longer again after the winter solstice and you have those testosterone levels decreasing you know on the on the downswing you know in that natural cycle so with the with the testosterone levels dropping uh, the pedicles begin to weaken because they don't need those antlers anymore and from this point on they're focused on nutrition you know they, they go into the rut in the best possible physical condition they're going to be in all year and they come out of the rut in the worst physical condition they're going to be in all year yes. so um you yep. know which which leads me to the other one other factor in in when those antlers are going to be cast which is you know nutrition and injury if if the buck has sustained any kind of injury throughout the breeding season or you know during a fight um you know that's just going to it's going to weaken his his body his mentality and you know his ability to maintain a role in that pecking order you know he's going to if he got his butt whooped he's going to be you know kind of walking around with his tail tucked between his legs you know he knows there's somebody else out there bigger and better and he's just waiting for seconds or thirds you know so the the two big factors are testosterone and daylight you know the length of the day but then your nutrition and injury are also you know playing a role in 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 the whole picture here yeah and something i left out there before you know i kicked it to you and i should have mentioned was you know the drop in the testosterone levels you know that happens right after the rut so i i did say that but the drop in the hormone level activates a special cell called osteoclast and these cells eat away at the pedicle you know and that is basically why the deer sheds its antlers because this osteoclast cell it it makes the pedicle weak then that's when their deer they ultimately shed this process does not hurt the deer at all no. you know what i mean so no, they don't even i mean they feel it you know they might they might knock up knock one side off and then the other side might feel a little heavy but usually a lot of times when they knock one side off they kick and they they you know they get their they move their head around a lot and usually that other side will fall off relatively in the same area but some bucks it doesn't happen like that but I wanted to mention that, you know, that cell, that, that osteoclast cell, that that's what weakens the pedicle. Correct. Now, some contributing factors to that, you know, some deer shed their antlers early or later than normal, depending on different factors. Wounded and injured deer usually cast their antlers earlier than normal because of injuries that activate the osteoclast cells early. So the same situation goes for deer with declining physical conditions. Right. Deer that are in good condition... And that they might live in, like, you know, not such a a harsh climate, you know, maybe like in the south or something or, you know, in Texas instead of like here in Michigan or the, the, the north, you know. They have a high quality of habitat, you know, and they might have food longer, you know, and, and better food maybe. So when deer 
you know, shed their antlers earlier based on whatever contributing factor that could be, you know, that's when your late season hunts could be, you know, you could have a buck come in and it's already shed and you're still hunting or one side's gone or, you know, that's probably one of the contributing factors is those, those cells have weakened the pedicle and maybe that deer's injured. Like I have a buck right now in Michigan here, you know, I think he shed right around December 1st, somewhere right in there. But he, I do know he's been shot. He was shot with a gun, and he's still living. And both he came in on trail cam, and both of his antlers are gone. So that deer is under a high stress level right now. You know, and and those osteoclast cells have really and have weakened that pedicle, and that's why he's already shed. But I still do have bucks that are holding. Yeah, it's it's not really surprising. It's just that injury contributed to his physical condition, which led to those osteoclasts being activated sooner than, you know, the daylight would have triggered the testosterone to trigger. Yeah. You know, and I've had instances when I've been out turkey hunting in April and I've had a buck come by me and he's still got antlers, you know, and I've always was like wondering why that was. And, you know, some things, some research that I've done is, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but research that I've come up with on that is that deer possibly didn't live under a high stress, you know, high stressful environment and probably had the, the best nutrients he could get. I did a little research on it and that's kind of what I come up with is, you know, deer under high stress, whether that be a harsh winter and lack of habitat or maybe they were wounded or injured from a fight for from a, a weapon. And, uh, you know, maybe he's got the best nutrients out there. So, He's, his antlers are still holding longer. I don't know. That's about the best thing I could come up with when, you know, when that, when that research took place and I was looking for that, those answers. Yeah. What, what time of the spring was that? Like April or May or March? That was mid-April. mid-April. It was mid-April. Our turkey season had just, uh, just came in. Yep. Yeah. It's possible he's still holding, but it's, it's also possible you were looking at antler doe. There's, there's three different variations of hermaphroditic deer and you can see antler does, you could see antler does in hard antler or in full velvet at any given point, depending on which of the three variations they might be. So that's something to consider too. Yeah. So that, that basically wraps up why deer shed and how they shed. So, you know, for the next, you know, five to seven or 10 minutes, I want to talk about now it's shed season. And this is some of the areas in the farm where you can go and look and, and maybe find sheds, maybe things you shouldn't be doing right now, which right now we're in the middle of the winter here in Michigan. There's two to two and a half foot of snow out here and the deer just really don't need to be stressed out right now. And one of my biggest things is you're not going to find a lot of sheds around. You might find a couple, you know, in a bean field or something or a cut corn field. And right now, you know, if I go pushing into my farm to look for sheds, I might push deer off of my farm onto the neighbors where they might drop the sheds over there, or, you know, it might just stress them out a little bit more. So I'm going to wait. I'd like to have the, you know, the snow melting a little bit and a little warmer day. You can get the family out there. You know, it's a social event and, and that's what I look forward to, you know, once it gets warms up here, you know, in the next couple months. Yeah, that is, I mean, what everybody's looking forward to right now, because number one, you're going to see, you know, which of your deer survived up to the day that they cast the antler. But, you know, it's just another part of the hunt that, you know, gets you through or kind of gives you the inventory you're looking for going in into the spring and your food plot planning and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, and with that being said, there's a lot of things you can do to go out there and give yourself a better chance at finding those sheds to the deer that you hope are still alive. And I mean, obviously the first one you're going to want to look for 
you know, we all we all understand the importance of a food source at the end of the hunting season, you know, and it's because the deer are so cold, you know, they're, they got to keep their metabolic rates up, but they're also putting on, you know, the, the fat reserves and they're, they're trying to get back in, in better shape after the rut. So target food sources looking for sheds because that's where all the deer are going to be yarded up, you know, in the, in the late winter when the antlers are actually dropping. So look at food sources. Uh, second thing, especially like maybe with you up in Michigan or anybody, you know, in kind of the higher elevations, focus on, on south facing hillsides. Um, you know, with the sun yep. moving from east to west, you know, that means the shadow is constantly on the north side, you know, of a tree, you know, or a mountain for that matter. And therefore with the shadow on the north, that means the sun is on the south. So focus on those south facing slopes or south, you know, southerly aspects, you know, that's going to have potentially shallower snow and just a warmer place for the deer to be bedded down in and to be holed up for the winter. Right. You know, and those are things to take into consideration when you're planning those food plots, you know, before you even think about looking for a shed. Ask yourself, the deer are going to go to this place in the winter for these reasons. I'm going to put some extra food over here, knowing I'm probably going to find the majority of my sheds over there. You know, just kind of right. put some of those other things in, in your favor. You know, that's some stuff I've had luck with and that I've seen in the past. Yep. Another good one is fence rows, you know, where the deer are going to have to jump over the fence. Uh, like I said earlier, that just that impact of them stopping, you know, when they come back down can can kind of just be enough of a a nudge to to let that antler fall off if it's already, you know, just waiting for a reason. I uh, found a lot right, right there on, like on fence lines. Yep, and, and I agree. You know, find, find where the most concentrated area of deer are and the good thing is with the snow right now you can see where all their tracks are and in the food sources and where they're going a lot of deer they're not going far from food right now but they are going to thermal cover you know so up here in the north you know we have a lot of pine groves and 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 pine flats and and stuff like that so that's good thermal cover or cedar or hemlock swamps um that gets them out of the wind and out of the cold so i like to well, I first like to go to food. If, you know, look for the food, it's the easy, you know, easy walk and usually it's a field and, you know, you can do a couple passes in the field. And then I go to the thermal cover, you know, on, on my family farm, we've got a lot of pines on there and we, they're close to, you know, the food. So next I go to thermal cover and, and where they're bedding and, and really going up and down there and, and trying to find, like I said, where most of the traffic is with the deer. Now, after that, I start going to the miscellaneous things like you had just said, the fence rows and, you know, the crossings, the ditches, you know, the ditch crossings or a creek crossing, you know, or highly trafficked runways, you know, that you've known about for years on a property. And and uh, that's where I really start and then I go to yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of knock off the long hanging fruit and then head to go for a, a long walk and head for the, the fence rows and the creek crossings and don't overlook CRP fields. CRP fields like out in Kansas, tons of them out there. Yeah. You know, we found some sheds this year in season and they were a match set and they were close to two points of timber that came into the CRP. So if you can visualize a point of timber coming up into the CRP and then, you know, maybe a hundred yards across there, 
is another point of timber. So they're going to, you know, the closest point, point to point. It's a transition zone, and they were right in line with there. He lost one, and you could tell. It was like 60 yards later. He didn't like the other one on there, probably shaking his head around, and that one fell off as well. So yep. look at the points of timber, close contact from thermal cover to thermal cover. That's another good one. You know, and just walk your farm and, and, and get to know it. And there's probably a lot of areas on your farm that you don't like to go ever or in the, you know, in the fall. This is the time to go in there. And, and uh, well, not right now, but when it does come time, like I said, I just don't like going on the farm knowing I'm going to bust deer out of there where they could be going to someone else's farm and or putting more stress, unwanted stress on them that you really don't need to. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. Like, I mean, myself, like I'm... I'm anxious to get out and do a little coyote hunting right now. And I'm trying to, I've got access to a lot of private ground, but some guys are saying, stay off of this part. Don't go there. Talk to me in, in March. Um, and it's because they don't want deer to leave the property before they shed. They want to know those antlers are going to stay on their farm. And, uh, you know, they, they look at pressure right now the same way that we do, you know, in October when we're trying to find a buck. So it's, it's just as important to keep that pressure off the farm right now or out of the areas that you suspect deer to be holding in if you want to find their sheds. Most definitely. And it just builds a story, too. Once you find those sheds to the buck you've been chasing, and, you know, a lot of times they'll shed where they, where they bed or where they live or their home area. So that kind of puts another piece of the pie to the story of where you might hone in on this deer and where he's at and where you can have a chance at him in the fall. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, I mean, it's we kind of covered a lot, and I hope it's not too confusing here, but... Uh, if shed hunting is, is part of your arsenal as far as inventory, you know, and getting getting your hands on those antlers is, is what you look for this time of the year. You know, if you're targeting shed hunting, you know, take this stuff into consideration this year and, you know, in the future. Like I said, plan your plots accordingly and stuff like that goes well beyond the killing stage of the animal. So, like, there's just a lot, there's a lot you can do to try to make sure you're recovering the antlers of the deer that do make it through the season. For sure. The season never ends, man. Even though it's in the winter, we always want to be out there doing something. We're getting a little cabin fever before turkey season, so shed hunting's a good time to get the family out there and and uh, do some walking, get out of the house and get some walking in. So we're going to wrap this one up, and everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. If any of you guys are in the market for new cables and strings, look no further than America's Best Bowstrings. And if you want more information on them, go to americasbestbowstrings.com and tell them the guys from the Fall Podcast sent you. Anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.